As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindegaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot, goal! Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Glovers Past from the Glovers Cast, where we dig out the former Town heroes and players of times gone by to have a chat to. And it's time to welcome a genuine, bona fide, first pick, Hall of Fame legend, to the podcast, a homegrown hero who played over 200 games between the sticks for the Glovers. He's got an FA Trophy medal in his back pocket, a League Two winner's medal in his back pocket. He spent three spells at Hewish Park, keeping far too many clean sheets to even try and count, but also scored arguably one of the most memorable goals in Hewish Park history. Please welcome to the podcast the one, the only, it's only bloody Chris Wheel. How are you, Chris? <laughs> Very good, thank you. What an intro! What an intro! I feel like standing up and applauding. <laughs> I have to oh say, yeah. <laughs> did that really happen? That's mad. Yeah. So, so yeah. thank you very much. That that's a lovely intro. It all happened. We checked everything. We checked it all. It all definitely happened. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It is a fairly big year, and here at the Glovers Cast, we are celebrating anniversaries this this year, this summer, so to speak. And of course, 2022 represents 20 years 
since the 2002 playoff final. Such a key point in this club's history. However, your time with Yeovil actually starts a little bit before that. Dave is with us as well. So between us, we're going to sort of go through a few key events and pick your brains on all the best moments. Dave, why don't you start us off? There you go. Let the old man talk about the older stuff. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Okay, right. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll start, the, start at the beginning, Chris, because you, you obviously um, local local lad. And I remember coming through the club's youth system. And I remember when we started off Stuart Halsey um, a few months ago, you you mentioned, I think you tweeted about the green machine and how that was, uh, you know, influencing. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what was you? How did you find your way into the into the youth system at Yeovil? What was your sort of earliest memory and influence uh, to get into the game? Oh God, my earliest memory ever of Yeovil Town was the QPR game at the old um, the old Hewish on the slope and pitch. Yeah, and um, I was probably I I don't know six five or six, and I remember my mum buying me this massive rosette that was probably the size of my upper body at the time, but um, <laughs> massive green and white rosette that just hung on my curtain for years in my bedroom. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just, that's probably my earliest memory of Yeovil Town. Um, and then I just, there was in the School of Excellence at the time with Chris Wally, um, probably when I was about nine to 12 years old and that that kind of folded school of excellence like the original academy mm-hmm. kind of system unfortunately that then folded and then Stuart Housley was doing this kind of green machine slash Sunday morning kind of funish kind of sessions um so I carried on doing that till I was about 16 and then luckily got into the youth team um probably when I he didn't like me, to be honest. So yeah, Stuart. So I kept badgering the guy. Like, I kept going, turning up, and there was another goalie there, and another goalie, and another goalie in my first year of youth team. Eventually, I got in the youth team, probably after about twelve games, I reckon, and then played ever since um, in the youth team for like a year, a year and a half, almost two years. Did we, did we have a reserve? There, really. Did we have a reserve team yeah. back then as well? So you would have played for the reserves. Yeah, so the reserve team back then, and I just I still think clubs should do this. We're in like the screw fix Premier League, so we're playing Tiverton and Taunton, proper men's football. So I was playing men's football like at seventeen. Mm-hmm. I remember making my debut at um, Tiverton, the Oval against Tiverton. They had just won the league. I was in my first year in the youth team. There was about two thousand there at Tiverton on a like Tuesday evening or something. And it was just those experiences massively help any young player. Um, unfortunately, they can't really do that anymore, but it was just such a great experience for me um, playing in like men's football at 17. Um, yeah, but I'll never forget that. And then it's just, I got really lucky because Dave Webb, the club was turning professional as I was going to 18 and I was off to university and Dave Webb just managed to see me in a training session and it really went from there. Yeah, um, we were going to ask you about Dave Webb because uh, we described it. It's like a bit of a project youth because there was there was a lot of young players um, back around that time, wasn't there? I remember James yeah. Bent, I think Paul Steele, yeah, people yeah, yeah. like that being other ones. But awesome. you were you were one of that awesome. crop, weren't you? Yeah, I think we were cheap. That's why. Uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave Webb value for money, a, I think he, we say. Yeah, well, that's the word. That's the word. <laughs> yeah, but he just he was ruthless because there's a lot of older pros semi-pros at the time um, and he was looking to yeah turn the club full-time I, I remember in our first year as a pro like Warren Patmore and Tony Panic were still part-time players mm-hmm. so they were part-time when everyone else was full-time 
and then the year after that, I think everyone went full time. Um, yeah. When he he left, and then Gary Johnson, oh Colin Addison, wasn't it? And then Gary yeah. Johnson after that. Um, but I remember trying uh, Dave Webb trying to sign me. He went off to South End, and I remember him being really hush hush, and he tried to he met me in Palmer's Fish and Chip Shop in the car park. <laughs> And, uh, and it was really hush hush and I sat in his car, he got in his car and we just chatting and he said, look, I can't do the impression so I, I really won't try. But um, tried to encourage me to go to South End in my second year as, uh, at Yeovil and I was like, no, look, Gary Johnson's come in. Um, I quite like what he has to say. I'm going to give it a go. And, l- and luckily for me, yeah, it, was, it was the right decision. Yeah, and, and he took a few, didn't he? Because he took Ben Smith, I think, Barrington Belgrave as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's a, right. He took a yeah, couple yeah. with him, didn't he? Not a man he turned down easily, though, Dave Webb. No, God Could have bundled no, you no, into the boot of his car if you were lucky, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone from the front to the back, yeah. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was good yeah. friends with some um, high-profile people. Interesting apparently. characters, yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. lovely, great <laughs> bloke, though. I, I met him then a few years back, and, um, yeah, lovely bloke, really good bloke, and great yeah. for me, for my football education, to have someone like that as your manager, first-ever manager. Yeah. And I remember the first day of pre-season and everyone's being, we went to Nine Springs in Yeovil and running up hills and stuff and everyone's being sick. And if this was our third session of the day and I was like, wow, is this what it takes to become a pro? Um, yeah. And uh, it was tough. It was a hard knock, but it was good for me. Yeah. Um, we had Ben Smith on uh, in the summer and he was saying about Dave Webb, but I think he's talking about a game where Dave Webb threatened to hang someone from a floodlight or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. you knew Glenn, where you stood with him, Glenn, I think he said. Yeah, Glenn Paul. It was <laughs> Glenn Paul. And, uh, we're, yeah, we're good mates. And um, yeah, he literally come in and said, if you ever play like that, son, I'm, I'm not going to try. I've just tried and it wasn't great. <laughs> um, to do the impression but, but yeah I'm going to hang you from the floodlight we're like okay cool um, so this is what it's about <laughs> wow when 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 you were breaking into the team at that age then you're sort of 18 years old it's it's right on 2000 how how do you kind of sit there and, and get ready to play alongside someone like Tony Pennant what a what an early mentor what a guy to be learning off day-to-day training what kind of experience was that well, great because he was because I was a fan as well. So mm. it was just it was weird. I was I'd literally gone from watching him, my mates taking the mick out of me because I used to like at school and stuff. Used to really admire him and watch him, and you know what you like when you're at school and your mates are taking the mick out of you and stuff. And um, yeah, and then to then to literally training with him, and then to like Dave Webb telling me, "Look, I want to play you instead of Tony Pennock because for whatever reason, I think you could see value in me in terms of." getting value out of me for the, the selling on or whatever I'm like what well, I'm just going to replace my boyhood hero it's, it was mad it was mad yeah <laughs> do you remember much about your debut do you remember the debut game do you remember the well, opponents and uh yeah it depends which yeah I do yeah we played Boston United in the league that was my kind of league debut I think. okay um yeah I came on against Kingstonian um I think oh I might have started I can't well, my home debut only was Boston, I think, and Paul Bastock was playing in goal, who's like, who carried on playing till he was about 45, 50, I think. I don't know if you know, Paul, ever heard of Paul Bastock. Yeah, he was uh, an assistant at Kings Lynn. I think we, when we that's played right. him at the start of the season, he was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Long right. guy, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he was in goal for my debut. And then I remember it being on HTV, the highlights. 
Um, and it, it so for some reason it's like the featured game, and uh, and I made a couple of decent saves, and I was just like, wow, this is cool to be on telly and stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, that that year we we was the one that we missed out to Rushton, wasn't it? In that season, is that right? Yeah, we were absolutely flying, yeah. and then for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, but we just we just completely capitulated, and they did really well. But we yeah. were flying at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, do you think then, the loss of Dave, because Dave Webb obviously went to South End at that, that point, Colin Addison came in again, when we were talking to Ben Smith, he was saying Colin Addison was a, was a, you know, a lovely bloke and a really good football man, but um, a very different character to Dave Webb. And maybe yeah. you needed the tough love of Dave Webb as opposed to a bit softer with, uh, with Colin, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, especially the older players, I think could, not get away with stuff with Colin, but with with Dave Webb, you you really fought for your place, and you were always unsure whether you were going to play or not. I guess Colin had a more of a settled side, and the younger ones probably felt like they were never going to get a chance. And um, yeah, it just disrupted, I guess, the the chemistry of the team. Yeah, I think Ben said something about getting away with a few things. So he did point out that he wasn't the best trainer, Ben Smith, I think. Well, there you are then. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. So Dave, yeah, exactly that way. Because Dave Webb would have been on him all the time yeah. and trying to raise his standards all the time. And I guess he could have got away with things with Colin. And then evidently that catches up on you in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Not blaming him, by the way. I'm not no, 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 absolutely. Like you say, it was a it, it was a collection of things that season, wasn't yeah. it? But, but it was a great season. I mean, we had that, um, oh, yeah. that cup game where, well, obviously, Tony Panic at um, uh, Blackpool, wasn't it? And where Crit scored. And then uh, we played yeah, Bolton yeah, yeah. in the cup that year. I mean, it was a fantastic yeah, oh my season. God. Yeah, what a year for, yeah, selfishly, in terms of my development, what a year for the first year to be near the top of the league the whole time and to play some really big cup games. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And I, I see from a Yeovil Town's point of view, a fan's point of view, it must be so frustrating because of the success literally from that moment to probably 10, 12 years later and then have just have not great stuff go on. Do you know what I mean? It must be very frustrating. But I guess it's all swings and roundabouts and it's all circles, isn't it? It comes around eventually. But what a time to be a Yeovil Town fan. And it, and it was only ever going to get better. Obviously, that was the that was the summer Gary Johnson came in, wasn't it? Had yeah. you like like the rest of us ever heard of Gary Johnson? Because we hadn't. No, no, <laughs> no, I hadn't. No, I remember sitting down with him and meeting him in one of the director's box at the club. He didn't have a clue who who I was. I didn't have a clue <laughs> who he was. He had three goalies written down on his program. I remember seeing it, and no, my name wasn't one of them. Um, right. So, so bizarre. And I convinced him in that meeting. I said, look, I love this club. I think it's going places and I'll, um, and I'll be your number one. I said to him when he was looked at me, I was like, yeah, who's this guy? Um, <laughs> and then my, and I remember turning up for my first training session. And this is an example of getting away with stuff. So Colin Addison had allowed me to go on a lad's holiday and arrive late for training. Um, for pre-season and and I'm only young and obviously I've turned up probably five days late for pre-season not knowing what Gary Johnson's like and he's like yeah it's just straight in straight away I'm like oh my god I shouldn't have gone on this lad's holiday but I think I impressed on that first session he said something like oh we know I can't remember he said some comments about me and I was like okay you must like me and then it just went on from there so um yeah 
yeah, interesting. But Gary was a complete, that's an example. Gary's a completely different character to Colin Addison. So yeah. you said you had three goalkeepers to try and get past. Was the addition of John Sheffield one of them? How did you fight your way from whatever, fourth choice to, to first choice? Because it ended up being a really successful season. Yeah, no, there was uh, there was three on the list, but he only signed two of those three, if that makes sense. So then okay, I was that right, third. So no, 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 I didn't explain. So that was uh, I was an addition. And then so Steve Collis, myself and John Sheffield. And what a great bunch, the three of us. Like when you look back for a conference side to have three goalies like that, it's like, oh, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, and I just worked really hard. Chefs was brilliant with, with me and, and Steve. He could kind of realise he had a few bad games at the start and realised it was probably the end of his career. Um, and then just helped us, helped us both. Um, we just fought for our, our places. And luckily I managed to get ahead of Steve. I'm just looking at the stats from that season, actually, in terms of league games. I've got you down as starting 27, Steve Collins right. just the one, and, and John Sheffield 14. It's strange to get right. three goalkeepers to get so many individual matchups. Normally you have one on 40-something and one gets a few or plays a few cup games. Yeah, but yeah. it does seem like they were a little bit more spread out this season. It was, um, it was really quite something. It was a season I fully started being a Yeovil Town fan. It, uh, it resonates so strongly with me. Um, as that okay. season as that season progressed and the team started coming together and the players that we now know what they achieved did you start to feel like something was happening that this squad that Gary was building and the momentum you guys were putting together would lead to success albeit you weren't able to say quite what level it would end up being um yes and no because okay. we had had success the year before I'd say so the core kind of your Darren Way was there wasn't it the year yep. before um Nick Crittenden um and a few others so it was it was the start if you know what I mean um but it had already started the, the year before well, let's that talk makes about, sense. yeah no it makes complete sense it makes complete sense but it hadn't ended in silverware and this one yeah. had let's let's fast forward a little bit what was it like being in that run towards the back end of the trophy when did you start thinking hang on we actually think we're going to win this oh, I think only the semi-final I'd probably say was it Northwich Victoria in the semi-final am I correct god that's good memory if I am I think it was Bert or are you talking about the semi-final of the trophy the, the yeah. first game I think it was Burton in the semi-final I think Northwich might have been the one before that though yeah correct Northwich I... was the one before Carl Orford and Adam Stanfield scored but Carl would get okay. sent off later on <laughs> okay, that one. That one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so one of you's remembering that, one of you's looking at the stats, so that's 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 still both impressive. I like. Um, no, uh, I remember the Burton game. I, I remember we won four 0 at home, didn't we? And then yeah. I think we lost yeah. away. Yeah. Okay. So yes, then the quarterfinals. It's like okay, we can do well here. Then yeah. Burton Albion was um, uh, what's the name? Clough, wasn't it? As manager. Nigel Clough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they were doing really well as well, weren't they? But I think because we won the first leg 4-0, we were like, okay, we've won this. Weren't they both on Sky, I think, or something? On they telly? were, yeah. Yeah. God, you're, bring, you're t- bringing about the memories here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I think from, from the quarterfinal, I think, when we beat Northwich at their place, wasn't it, I think, then you thought, okay, we can, we can win this. Um, did, yeah. Did the trophy become a bit of a, not necessarily priority at that point then, because... You were in the final, all sort of eyes were, were focused on that. I mean, the form didn't exactly drop. I was looking at the form between semis and final and uh, 
yeah, it was pretty good. Four wins and uh, three wins and a draw in the four games in between. That's not too shabby. You were clearly up for it, knowing you had a place at Villa Park at stake. Yeah, so that that season though, how where do we finish in the league? Do you... Now, you, now you're just testing us with with, with, with stats. I, I want to I want to say we finished like fourth or fifth or something like that, didn't we? Okay. And I don't think there were there weren't playoffs that year, were there? No. I think the year we went up was the year it was the first year there were playoffs because I remember Doncaster going up through them. Um, but okay. I I want to say we finished yeah in the top six, but I'm not okay. Sure so it was it. just. Just one promoted, was it then, that, that year still? Yes. That's ridiculous, isn't it, if you think That's, about it? That was right. So the playoffs came in the year we won it. So the playoffs right. came in the year after. So okay, um, and then, you're and right, then, we, we finished third. Um, 84 points Boston, 84 Dagenham and Redbridge, and then we were third on 70, so a little tiny bit further got adrift. Okay, okay. Ah, uh, yes, but it was still we were still in it with a shout, I remember, for, for a bit. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I think it was just a belief. So the trophy just caused that belief. So everyone then started going, oh, okay, what Gary's going on about all the time, uh, in training and stuff, yeah. is starting to come true. And you're like, okay, we better, better listen to this guy. Um, <laughs> and I guess it just went from there, really. Yeah, yeah. And what do you remember about the build-up then of that day? May the 12th? Oh, oh, of the day. No, my biggest thing is Mark Lader. So Mark Lader was like our our psychologist kind of um confidence coach guy and i remember him taking us to the belfry um the uh, golf place in birmingham um and we had like this two day three day kind of golf trip slash football training trip and we all sat down in this meeting room and basically from that moment we were like we were never going to lose that game because of the way kind of he had prepared us mentally if that makes sense um yeah, we, we walked onto that pitch at Villa Park knowing that there's no way, whoever turned up, we were never, ever going to lose that game. Um, so I remember him, really, Mark Lader, for, for um, installing that kind of belief in belief in us. That's incredible. I love how many people from, from your era do talk about Mark Lader and the things that he's brought. I know he's been brought up in other conversations regarding the, the seasons that we'll go on and talk about as well. Um, okay. Let's let's talk first about that first 92 seconds or whatever it was in the FA Trophy. It's a good job you were switched on and awake for those first few minutes, wasn't it? You had to make that yeah. absolutely blinding save in front of the whole ten. That's got to settle the nerves early on, isn't it? Well, yeah, I wasn't nervous. I was abs- I was so nervous on the on the bus. That was the only time I got up nice and early, went for a walk in Birmingham. I remember got some batteries for my uh, for my like walk talk whatever it's called the back then <laughs> not the I iphone the <laughs> no for my for my music so to listen to some music. Walkman. A walkman, yeah, walkman, mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> batteries for a walkman oh my god that's you, my now you're dating yourself here chris yeah i know god. <laughs> um and oh yeah i was quite relaxed and as soon as i got on the bus i was like oh my god i was quite nervous and then as soon as i then left the bus to get to the ground i was fine um, and then just ready. So, like Chef, I remember John Sheffield said, "Look, you don't need much of a warm up today. It's a really big game. Just, just ease into the warm up. Um, only go out for say 15 minutes, um, and just get used to the pitch and stuff. But don't have much of a warm up um, because the adrenaline's there anyway." He said, "So you don't, yeah." And he's absolutely spot on. And then, um, yeah, I was ready from the moment I basically woke up. So. Um, yeah, and then I was ready for that moment because I was ready for the whole day, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it, it does make absolute sense. I absolutely, absolutely love it. No, t- time to be honest now, Chris. How many times have you watched it back? Well, no, it's funny because I totally forgot about it. And then someone put it on a Twitter feed the other day. Um, something Regular. like top goal, non-league goalies or something, part one. Video, I can't remember. Something like that. And then I watched it back and showed my kids and I was like, oh, my God, that's a good save. Um <laughs> So Who's this brilliant a... goalkeeper? Oh, it's yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still trying to work out whether technically, because back then I hadn't technically developed my goalkeeping as much as maybe, obviously, as you go on. You, I still think technically maybe I should have gone with the other hand or whatever. But it was still, yeah, I was still, yeah, it was a good save. But then if it had gone in, would I have been extremely disappointed myself? Because it wasn't a bullet header, was it? It was more of a loopy header. Um but yeah, it was just because of the moment, I guess, the timings, it was, it was so vital in that game. Did you get the chance to remind Kirk Jackson about oh. it when he joined the Glovers? <laughs> yeah, all the time from the first <laughs> moment he walked in the door. And he was I like, love I'm not it. you. <laughs> from the first moment he walked in the door, absolutely. Yeah. Were well, yeah. you just there with your gloves on when he walked through the dressing room doors? Like, remember <laughs> <Yeah>. me? <laughs> Yeah, how funny because he was gutted you can see by his reaction yeah. can't you he thought it was it um, yeah, and yeah and what so, a day psychologically for him as well I'd imagine he thought wow you know they say that early that first moment is going to give you a psychological lift in your teammates one but for Stevenage the complete opposite effect isn't it yeah yeah absolutely and I think um, yeah it was just a series of events in that game wasn't it like um, Carlo overhead kick and um, yeah yeah it's just kind of cemented that if the Stevenage so they're yeah both teams going in in terms of level in their minds probably and then obviously things like that happen and you just obviously one team then goes up one team goes down we've 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 got to talk and have a little word about Adam Stansfield we can't look back on 2002 without thinking about him uh, we miss him dearly all the time and think crikey what I do to have an Adam Stansfield in our side right now and have done pretty much since since the day that, that he scored that goal in 2002 what what was he like to work with and, and how much of a joy was he to be around uh, but it's amazing because I was at Exeter for a year as player coach and mm. like, when you're having your career you don't really kind of think about too many other things um and I didn't really know how fond and how well he was doing Exeter as well and they how highly they value him and how highly they yeah respect him and so it was amazing so what he did at Yeovil and then he kind of almost repeated it if not done better at Exeter as well um what a smashing smashing guy and testament to any non-league player that it's just such an inspiration that you can go from playing for Elmore, wasn't it? I think in the very, I don't know what step it was. Yeah. Quite a that way was down. Western League. Yeah, like you said, with Tiverton and all of that, wasn't it? That yeah. Level. Yeah, yeah. To then going to play for Yeovil and then playing in the Football League and then playing for Exeter in the Football League. And yeah, fantastic story. Obviously, it's a, it has a sad ending, but hopefully it inspires a lot of a lot of people along the way. Yeah. I, I, I just remember him as a memory. I remember him the back of the away terrace. I don't know if anyone else has said this, but we used to train above that on the train on the like training pitches. But mm-hmm. Gary literally would get him with for an hour after training with a bag of balls and just whacking the ball against the away terrace, just trying to work on his technique. Um, and it was you could see all the mud on the back of the wall, and it's just stories like that that obviously worked. And 
it just worked on his technique all the time. And it was just, that's just so inspirational in terms of any kid to improve. It's just that dedication, even at that age, to still continue to improve. So, Wow. That's, um, yeah. I hope Gary got him to wash the mud off the back of the away terrace as well. So, Well, you heard that he did that. <laughs> no, 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 no. He should have done, shouldn't he? Yeah, you know, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 But, um, as you say, that 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 day, and I know um, Ben said uh, many a time, that's a day that made him a Yeovil Town fan, and it's one that's etched in many of our um, everyone's memories, I'm sure. But it was that that really felt like it was the start of something. And obviously, the season yeah. that followed, our 108 years as a non-league club came to an end in um, in some some incredible style. If if you go to that season I think we lost on Boxing Day I want to say at Forest Green Rovers and then we went on this amazing run um, you know uh, of, I think we finished on 95 points or something ridiculous like that I mean you, that season you and, and all of your teammates you just must have felt unbeatable walking out on the um, on the on the pitch every game I'd imagine yeah I think had we had a new pitch that season or was it the season before I can't remember Anyway, we, we just, because there was a new pitch at the ground and Gary had made the pitch bigger as well. Mm. Um, so he'd made, I don't know, a really big, like the biggest it could be um, because it was quite small to start off with. And then it's just, we just, yeah, the, destroyed teams. I think with our energy and our passing and just completely destroyed teams. And Gary didn't care in terms of if we won 5-4, he didn't care. But from a goalie's point of view, it's a nightmare. But in terms of now, from my I, I coach and just as a as a neutral wanting to watch attacking football, it's just it's fantastic because he couldn't care less if we conceded four. If we if we score five, then then brilliant, we win the game with three points. So it's just that mentality that we're just on it. We always worked on um, finishing, crossing the finishing, or upset back and through and stuff. And I always say this about, I can't remember, I was listening to someone talk the other day. And, oh, no, no, sorry, it's the latest Yeovil team, yeah. Oh, how good, how solid we are, at the, and we don't concede many goals, and we work on it all the time in training. I'm like, well, yeah, that's great, but if you work on the things all the time in training, you get good at that. So Gary obviously just wanted to work on finishing and crossing and all the time, and we got good at scoring goals. And it's not, it's not really rocket science, is it, football, but uh, we just clicked, it just clicked, and... Um, yeah, we we just demolished teams. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the stats from that season. Sorry, I, I have got them on on my phone, and, and they are, we were unbeaten at home all season long. We scored exactly a hundred goals. Our goal difference was plus sixty three for the season. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, honestly, sometimes I think, in an odd, strange way, that that team's almost slightly underrated. Did it feel like it was it was a football league team ready to go? Maybe not even League Two. Maybe it was a League One team just pretty much packaged up and ready to go. Well, yeah, yeah, yes and no. Because having not played league football, being in a, a league club at all, I didn't know really what how good a league club was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't know. I just assumed that there'll be a million, like so much superior to us because they are a football league side and. We're a non-league side, really. I know we're professional, but but still, um, yeah. And then we just obviously carried on after that season. Um, but we just got uh, we had a great group, um, full of energy, full of youth, and, and a little bit of experience as well. And um, great, great leaders. If you look at that side now, in terms of like 
Terry Skiverton, captain, manager, he's managed. Lee Johnson's managed. Darren Way's managed. Gary, Gavin Williams has managed. Adam Lockwood managed a little bit. Um, so some really big characters in there um, that obviously just, yeah, and then with a great manager as well in terms of to get the best out of us. Yeah, yeah good, good squad. If I remember rightly, and I think you're right, Chris, so we started that season at Dorchester, didn't we, because of the pitch, I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, but if I remember rightly, in pre-season, we lost Adam, or early in the season, maybe, we Adam Stansfield broke his leg, didn't he, in a, in a game? Yeah. And, and, and at the exactly. t- obviously, after the season before, we were thinking, well, he's going to be you know, the, the, someone we're relying on to score goals. So to score that many goals without a player like Adam Stansfield in the side is... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This makes it even if it wasn't impressive enough already, makes it even more impressive, doesn't it? Did it? Yeah, uh, I think it was Halifax. Was it Halifax? And the goalie was uh, I can't, um, he used to play for Aston Villa, right? Um, who, who unfortunately just broke it. He was like second choice to Nigel Spink, who was my hero as well growing up. Um, right, uh, another hero, and he broke his leg. Um, yeah, Adam, unfortunately, it was just the hype of the whole game, and I think it was, was it the first game of the season well it was the first game of the season was it you just said yeah Ebsfleet uh, I've got him being substituted off against Ebsfleet in the 17th oh, minute so I think that oh, might... was Ebsfleet okay okay yeah um, wow yeah yeah it was just oh and then but then to be fair Kirk Jackson scored an absolute hatful didn't he in that season yeah and then we got goalie like... in as well didn't we in the middle of that and Denver yeah and so many players that score goals yeah, yeah, but I mean, I always look back and say, it, it, I, I'm not being rude to them at all, but like any centre forward would have got loads of goals in that team because they just they created so many opportunities for them that, um, yeah, there was just easy pickings almost for the strikers. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, if you had to pick out, it must be difficult to pick out uh, a moment or moments from then, but, but I mean, that season, which ones? stick in your mind we, we were talking to Goulie in the summer and he mentioned his hat trick up at Halifax which surprisingly he remembered but as a game <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that that changed I mean is there a game that sticks out in your mind from that season um I don't think a game I think a moment and I just I can't remember what game it was but it was probably February March time and it was at it was sold out or quite a few and and the whole of the Barlet stand was it the, the screw fix stand anyway what it is now and the terrace and then the whole of main stand were just all chanting and cheering and singing we're going up or something and it was still quite early on but i was like oh my god this sold out almost sold out i'm like this is this is unreal that a non-league club can get so many fans through the gate and um yeah i just think it was moments like that I was like well there's only one way it's going here and, it, and it's going to be a success so. and, and you'd been one of those fans you know only a few yeah. seasons before doing exactly yes, that same man. thing. I think um, I, everyone always says this, and I was speaking to someone the other day, but the Enfield game, yeah. um, Enfield, yeah, I don't know if um, Ben, you might not remember because obviously you only started supporting me, uh, for the Villa Park, but I went to the Enfield game. And it was like, it was the one below the conference, wasn't it? We were playing on a Tuesday night, I think, yeah. and there was 2,000 people sold out. Sorry, not able to get into the ground. It was, it was a sellout at Jewish Park. And I think moments like that, you think, oh wow, this is a special club to have this many fans not able to watch a non-league game, not even the top non-league um, league. It's the one below that league, and and then you're like, this is a special club. So, 
and it just carried on from there if that makes sense yeah we did in the summer again one uh, one of the other chats we had was with uh mickey engwell and howard forrington and we spoke to him about that oh, yeah. night because mickey wow. scored didn't he and uh, and howard was um was prolific that year as well so howard, yeah didn't he get he got a move to birmingham city that's right think? yeah he did yeah yeah and uh yeah, yeah. well wow. yeah he came back Warren Patmore. oh god yeah that was a that was they, a strike force yeah, I remember watching and Warren Pamor, honestly, anytime the ball went in the box, header bang goal. And it was just mm. amazing as a kid. You're like, wow, this bloke's amazing. Um, and then you get to train with him. And then you get to clean his boots in the first year. And it was a surreal experience. <laughs> Did you ever have to play against him, though, Chris? Did you ever play against him? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I bet he let that's you really know if question. he did, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good question. Yeah. We'll I might look it up. Yeah, yeah Woking, he? Woking. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Did he go back to Woking? I think uh, maybe I did. Yeah. 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 Well, sorry, you got sidetracked then, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> that's what the, that's where the best stories come from. You get sidetracked as many times as you like. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> went up to went up to League Two, and again, I mean, with the greatest of respect, it felt like we were quite blooming good at League Two level. What did you think mm. of Football League football when you got there? Did you think, actually, we're all right at this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was the first game, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, Rochdale. They were playing in blue. Yeah, Rochdale. Yeah, there we go. And we won, didn't we? And we were like, okay, we can do this. Um, and then every one, then every challenge that came our way, we seemed to overcome that challenge. Um, and yeah, and then we just, the confidence grew, I guess, from there again. Because we didn't know, obviously, having never never played, a lot of us never played Football League before. Maybe a few had played a handful of games. Um, yeah, and it just went, continued from there, really. Um, yeah, and just kept doing good stuff. It was, it was quite quite amazing, really. That first season, obviously, ended in, in, in such a close finish in the playoffs. Uh, we missed out on goal difference, a point, was it? A goal difference, a point? Um, did you feel like we were we were good enough to get into the playoffs by the end? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, did I, I think I would, Steve played the last 10 games to do or something because I broke my hand just before the Bristol Rovers game. Um, is that, have you got Mr. Stato though? You got the... I, I'm, I'm checking. He's I'm chucking checking. some questions at us here, oh, Ben. I, I tell I you, <laughs> who's doing this interview? <laughs> we, we, we're not this prepared, Chris, I'm afraid. You're uh, showing us up oh, for the amateurs we are. Do you know what? I don't know why, but I've got visions of you having the last programme of each season and you know that you open up the middle and you've got all the list of who's played. I don't know why I think you've got that in front of I, you. I would, I would love if that was the, actually the case. I absolutely would. Thankfully, I've got, right. some, uh, I've got some web archives of the old Ciderspace archive that we're trying our very okay. best to save and a few other websites okay. doing the stats. Yes, I've got Steve Gollard starting at Bristol Rovers. We won 4-0 against the gas oh, on the that's right. March the thirteenth. Right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I get it's eleven, I'm afraid, for Steve, not ten. You were close. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I remember Abdul El Coyote on the Friday before the Bristol Rovers game had stood on my hand in training and broke it, fractured it. Um and I was gutted because that yeah, that was a really big game, wasn't it? The Rovers game at home. I think was that the first time they had come. I think it, yeah, it was, wasn't it? That was yeah, the first season. Yeah. Been. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, and then obviously then we beat sides like Bristol Rovers. You're like, oh my god, we're we're better than Bristol Rovers. We're a massive club in my head growing up. 
Um, so then it just carried on from there, the belief, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you mentioned there, obviously, Steve Collis. And, and I mean, it's quite a common thing now at the, the top of the game to have two really good quality um, goalkeepers. I mean, what was that like as a, as a partnership, you, you and Steve? Did you, was it a, a, a competition? Do you make each other better by, you know, pushing each other on, knowing that you had that kind of quality ready to step in if you weren't on your game? Yeah, I remember when you were saying about John Sheffield, the, the day that, I can't remember, yeah, he got sent off, I think, or, or he was having a bad run in the first year, a bad run of form, and the fans didn't really, weren't really buying into him, I think, for whatever reason, it just goes that way sometimes. And then we had a training session on the morning of the game to be selected for that evening, and we had a shooting session. Looking back now, it was like, well, that's just daft, because we must have been absolutely knackered. We probably had a shooting session for about an hour, an hour and a half, um, and then he kind of like selected it from that shooting session, I remember. And I was just like going meant mad because I really wanted to play. And I think he, Steve wanted to play. And then obviously I got picked ahead of Steve. And it's just moments like that. I think that you then cement your place, if that makes sense. Um, but Steve was brilliant. We worked really well together. I think um, I was a little bit more relentless in terms of the way I approached things. And Steve was a bit more, more relaxed, I guess. I and mean, maybe Gary preferred in terms of I played more games than Steve, maybe Gary preferred the kind of mentality, my mentality as opposed to Steve. But Steve was a very good goalkeeper, very reliable when he was supposed to come in. Um, yeah, it's just those little differences, I guess, that, that define whether you're number one or number two. We've got one more question regarding that season. We asked it to Hugo Rodriguez, so I'll ask it to you. Harry Kuehl dived, didn't he? <laughs> oh, God, I can't, that game is... No, I don't, I don't think he did. Did he? <gasps> I was not, oh, the most disappointing drama. thing. I know the most, I'm not sure. I can't really remember it. The most disappointing thing about that game, Michael Owen didn't play, did he? Oh, no, no, he didn't, uh, no. They brought Heskey no, on, off the bench, didn't they? And Heskey scored. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was gutted. It was a really misty day. Yeah. Really misty day at Shearish, wasn't it? And um, yeah. Yeah, God, that was a. I forget. I forgot about it. Was that the first year? Was the first year in the football league? That? Yeah, it was January yeah. two thousand four. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Gosh. God. Yeah. That good. A, that was a good game. Good game. That was a lot they had going a great, on. They had a great side, didn't they? Jersey Dudek in goal. Mm. Yeah. Sammy Hippier, people like that as well. Yeah. Sammy Hippier. Yeah. Hammond. Yeah. El Hanji Juve played. Yeah. Yeah. God, they had a good side. Yeah. And but Harry Kill did dive. I'm sorry. Yeah, he yeah. We're, we're, we're not having it. He didn't yeah, he did. I can't remember. I just remember. Oh God, I've got to have a better face of penalty here. Um, <laughs> yeah. who, who was it? So who Danny Murphy, it? wasn't it? Danny yeah, Murphy da scored it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Danny Murphy. Yeah. yeah. Who who fouled him then? Hugo fouled him, did he? Hugo. Was, nobody fouled him. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Harry Kill no. made it look <laughs> like he fouled him. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> if Hugo says it, we'll we'll go with Hugo. We'll go. But yeah. this. There's one more thing just want to ask you about, um, Chris, in, in those sort of early days with um, uh, when, when Gary had arrived. There, you had a trial at West Ham. Is that right at that point? Did that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, how, how did that one come about? And how, how come it didn't result in a, in a move there? Was there a good, that opportunity? Good, good question. I think because of, um, of the success we had had, mm. um, I was a young goalkeeper. Looking back now, if I was to scout a goal, yeah, that's a perfect age and experience in terms of I played two years then as first choice and I was only young I was 20 I think um, 
so yeah looking back now you would have got bought for like a million pounds and um yeah gone straight into a big premier league so probably now if you if that's a young goalkeeper getting that much experience um for whatever reason i don't know i think i went there originally looking to sign we played carlisle away and i remember gary saying look you're going to west ham the next day um so i was like oh cool i, I just assumed i was signing um for whatever reason it turned into a trial um i think i don't know looking back i don't think gary wanted me to to leave i don't think the club really needed to have loads of have the mo- well money i don't know i really don't know mm. um but it didn't turn I, I loved it i really enjoyed it and and Pard, Pardew was the manager, wasn't he? And he said, right, that, yeah. yeah, he said, we're signing you. We want to sign you. And the goalie coach said, look, it's 90% done. Um, Ludo McCloscoe, the goalie, goalie coach was at West Ham. And I was like, I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. I was just like, wow, this is amazing going to West Ham. But for whatever reason, I don't know. That 90% turned into zero um, for whatever reason. Um, and then I continued playing. I think Gary, to be fair to him, He's really good. He said, look, Chris, you're better off playing in the Football League as first choice than going to West Ham and maybe being second or third choice. Um, and he's probably right, but who knows? Who knows if I'd gone, I might have forced my way in. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, look, going back further in my career, I then went to Bristol City and I trusted Gary terms of what he said. And maybe I should have left a year before I had left Bristol City, but I trusted Gary what he said because he had said to me before. So um, it's all swings and roundabouts and it's all gone now. It's all past. But um, yeah, I don't really know what happened in terms of why I didn't sign. Um, yeah. But it was great because I still continued playing for Yeovil. So. Yeah, it's another bad consolation prize playing for your hometown team and all of that and uh, do everything no, that you no, achieved exactly. as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I loved playing. For me, I always say this, Yeovil, irrespective of Man United, West Ham or whoever, I always yeah. thought Yeovil was my biggest, the biggest club anyway because it was my local team. If that, I don't, not many people can comprehend that, but I think growing up in the Oval area and knowing how big Oval was, I didn't really know any other club. So I was like, well, this is my club. This is the biggest club in like in the world to me. Does that make sense? So um, I was always more nervous playing for Oval than any other club because it was my hometown and I had friends and family watching and, um, and stuff like that. I think everyone who's listening to this can relate to that. Absolutely everybody. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's lovely to hear. But uh, you you mentioned there about going to Bristol City with Gary. I mean, you were one of a few that he he took at the time. I mean, how did that one um come about? Uh, well, we were playing. We were League One at the time, I think, and I we played Chesterfield away at, at Yeovil. And I remember doing my knee. I did my cruciate. Um, I just come to measure the box. Received just a bog standard ball on the edge of my box, and one of the strikers just clattered into me. My studs got caught in the ground twisted my knee and popped my knee and and I did my cruciate then and I was lying on the floor thinking I knew that I was 24 I knew that I was going to some a biggish club um because I was 24 I'd played almost however many games and I was young goalie six foot three or whatever and someone was always going to like looking back now someone was always going to take me a big club but unfortunately I was injured I'd done my cruciate and um and I would have been free and it's just the way it worked out um but then, um, yeah, obviously that every contract went out the window. So um, Gary then was left to go to Bristol City and he, he wanted to take me injured, um, which not many managers would do. Not many chairmen would sign a player that's injured. But I felt I met Russell Slade and 
Russell Slade was very comp- like complimentary towards me and said that he was going to bring in a tall goalie from Swindon. Steve Milton Hall, yeah. Yeah, Milton Hall. So he was going to bring him in anyway. So he said, like, you've got to fight with Steve. So I was like, well, if I have to do that, I'll go to Bristol City, which is a league above and... and was it a league above or the same league? Probably they were the in the league. same division, but they went, but you went straight through, didn't they? Were they champions that year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it was the timing was right. Everything was changing. Managers left, players were leaving, the core of the squad were leaving. So I thought it's probably time to um to move on. And but it's it's amazing because then if you look at it, the core of the team left, and then they still like you know, still did really really well. Got promoted then to the championship two or three years later, wasn't it? And that's incredible to, to have that continued success when the team's changed and evolved and the manager's changed. It's amazing. Yeah, well, it was that 06-07 season that we first got to Wembley under Russell Slade, which yeah. was a whole brand new squad put together. All those all the guys mm. had left. Yourself had gone. Phil Jevons had gone. And we found replacements for them all. So it was, it was just, yeah, that continuing momentum was in, incredible. Um, you, you did come back. Um, not for the not for the first what well, for the first time you came back three times in in total. Um, yeah, two thousand and nine. You hadn't played much. It's probably fair to say at Bristol City during those first couple of years. When you got the call in two thousand and nine, was it an easy choice to to come back on loan? Uh, yeah, I was very frustrated. I think um, having been a regular playing really at, at Yeovil, I know Steve had played a bit and. But mainly I played when I was fit. But then to go to a club where I wasn't playing, it, uh, the time was all wrong because I'd done my knee at, at obviously over and then gone to Bristol City. Then Gary, the Gary factor took over and Bristol had the same success as Yeovil in terms of getting like, it was just incredible. His, his record of, um, of that period was incredible. Um, and then obviously I couldn't get into the side and Adriano Bassa at Bristol City was the goalie. Couldn't get into the side and was getting really frustrated. Kept getting injured because I was getting frustrated and not playing. So I was just working so hard, just working too hard. And then this chance to come back to Yeovil and I was like more than ready um, to come back. And yeah, it was great. I absolutely loved that. We had um, two lads from Tottenham. We had Andrew Just Townsend and um, oh, I can't remember, striker for from John Abinka. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And the three of us all signed on the same day, I think. And it was just, oh, it was brilliant. Really awesome times. Terry was manager and it was just brilliant. The last 10 games of the season and I, I loved it. Was Terry um, still playing at that point? Was he playing manager still? Uh, no, wait, he might have been registered, but he wasn't, he wasn't playing. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm checking the stats again. Um, yeah. Oh, he did, on your re-debut, nil-nil against MK Dons, he did play 36 minutes and then I did think he caught, and then he called it a day. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> he was, by the way, what a player he was like unbelievable. And he was like on and off the pitch was absolutely fantastic. Again, just these little things that all fall into place. And without, without Terry, Gary wouldn't have been Gary, if that makes sense. And he was just absolutely brilliant. Um, what a leader and um, what a rock at the back. And he knew his strengths and weaknesses as a player, but he, he managed to maximize his strengths and, um, oh yeah brilliant and then to come back and have him as a manager as well it was just awesome for 10 games yeah really really good times well we couldn't talk about this little loan spell could we without mentioning the goal well yeah it was quite an interesting loan spell because I had 
I hadn't conceded. I kept five out of five clean sheets, I think, since I went back for the first five games. I played 10 games. And um, yeah, it was just, just I don't know, it was just something was going amazingly well. And what a, what a spell. So 10 games, I think, five clean sheets and a goal. It's just like, and played with Andros Townsend. It was just like, yeah, fantastic. It was great from so- my point of view. Do you look back? I mean, well, well, I've got a couple of questions about the goal because anytime a goalkeeper scores, I love it, and especially when it's our goalkeeper scores. But we were, we, I mean, we were closer to the bottom than the top at that point. It's fair to say in League One, we yeah. were sticking our neck above the line each and every time by the skin of our teeth. And I'm looking at the table and I'm looking at the situation and the teams that we played. That was three games from the end. Did yeah. That go- did that goal keep us up? Well, yeah. Well, I think it did. Um, I think was it two games? Was it three games or two games? You so, got the stats. So, so you, it, so the goal was in the third last game, Hereford. We then played Tranmere uh, and drew Tranmere. one all, and yeah. then we lost against Colchester on the final day. But we'd just done enough. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that game, the Hereford game, kept us up. Yeah, I think. So it wasn't so, the Hereford game that kept us up? It was your goal that kept us up. Do yourself well, a justice, yeah. man. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. What? Well, um, that was brilliant, great, lovely, great experience. I actually watched it back with the kids the other day, and and then my wife said, "God, how did you get so high? Because if you pause it, <laughs> if you like pause it on the header, it's quite high." And oh my god, I don't know how I got so high. But you're not you're not leaning on the guy in front of you, are you? It's not a foul. Don't tell us it's a foul. Don't no, take it away from god, us. No, no, no. But if you watch it back, we watch back the clip where it has a corner before that. Yes. He's made a brilliant save, Galatsky. Is it Galatsky who plays yep. for? Yeah, he's at Leipzig he now, brilliant. isn't he? In the Champions League yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But he's made a fantastic save, and I didn't couldn't didn't know that until I watched it back the other day. To for the for the next corner because the first corner I've got nowhere near, and then the second one, yeah, in swing up on the right. Um, did you um did you ask Ivo for permission to go up, or did you just go? I can't. I think I was probably not. I was just so. Yeah, I think I might have glanced over and looked at him. and Was like, yeah, I'm going up. You were going whether he said yes <laughs> yeah, or no. Oh, you absolutely. were going. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. If he had said no, I'd have still gone, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, good good times. And it just, I watched my interview back because it was on Sky Sports. So yeah. you, literally, this was about a week ago. It's mad. But, um, yeah, and I just said I, I went up for a corner and uh, saw the ball and headed it and scored. And <laughs> can't really say much a, more than a that. A factual account of what happened, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's time for a little pop quiz now, Chris. Uh, the other goal okay. for Yeovil on that night was scored by... We drew 2 oh all God. with Hereford. We were 2-0 that... down. Genesis yeah, Murray gonna... Williams early. Steve Guinan uh, about the hour mark. We then Steve pulled it Guinan, back to... Yeah, two... yeah Steve yeah. Guinan, sorry, yeah. God. No, no, that's... Good. 78 minutes on the clock. Who scored the first goal of the comeback? Oh, we'll give you a clue. He, he went on the play with Thierry Henry in, did. in America not long after. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Oh. oh, I can't remember his Little name. Little centre forward. Yeah. Not someone, you, someone you'd want on your side in a fight, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, God. Robert, Robert, Roberts, Gary Roberts, was it? Oh, no, that was his mate. It's Luke Rogers. His mate. Gary Roberts <laughs> Rogers, was his mate. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, that was his, yeah. They came to did everything together, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, and who took the corner? Yeah, well, that was I was going to ask you that. I can't remember. He was on loan. <laughs> no, he was on loan from someone. No, he was ours. Oh, was he? He was ours. Okay. Yeah, we got him okay. from 
Potter's Bar, maybe? Uh, no, it was, uh, wasn't he one of the ones from Fisher? Oh, he Fisher was from Athletic. Fisher Athletic. He was from Fisher Athletic, you're right. Yeah, I'm midfield player he was. Okay, I can't remember. Kieran Murta. Kieran Murta, yes. Yeah. yeah, Ireland, was he Irish? Could um, been, yeah, he could have been. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Kieran Murta. Um, yeah, he whipped the corner in. I'm looking at the squad, and the players are on the pitch at that point. What was he doing taking corners? Andrew Townsend was on, Andy Wells yeah. was on, Danny Schofield was on, Lee Peltier could whip yeah, a corner in. Done... Well, that's a good point, actually, yeah. Because Andrew Townsend, I remember him in training, he would just practice and practice and practice. He was the most professional kid I've ever seen in my life. Um, I thought I was professional, and this was kid was taking it to another level. Um, even though that is, it was amazing. Yeah, he used to sit in the hotel room with this eye mask on. It was like the electronic eye mask to prepare his eyes to play and this was like years back and i was like this is phenomenal what a wow. phenomenal kid yeah and he, he was obviously clearly going to go places um just for his sheer determination and attitude that's an electronic and, eye mask yeah that's what did it yeah for him, I think. <laughs> oh my god it was just i walked into his bedroom I was like in, in the hotel I was like what have you got on your face <laughs> it was just it was amazing yeah it was great great bloke yeah, great, bloke. And the final question, how long does it take you to get out from underneath that pile of players? Oh, my God, yeah. I remember, if you, I watched it, we were saying, I watched it back the other day, Skivo, like, comes over. Ruffles your hair. Rub on the, do you remember on the <laughs> rub on the head and then walks off in the pile? <laughs> it was quite, quite funny. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I was, I was going to make a point, actually, because it was something that I, I, I realised recently. That audio footage is in the National Football Museum. Were you aware of that? No, really. Yeah. yeah so there was a, it, yeah. there's a local there was a local radio campaign ages ago, and every football league club at the time had to give two bits of local audio footage, and the Marcus okay. Stewart 2007 playoff goal where he equalises against Nottingham Forest is there, and your head is there, mm-hmm. and wow. there you go. It's immortalised forever in the National Football Museum. Right, so it's still there, I guess, is it? I, I yeah. presume so. Yeah. Right. I went to it's oh, in wow. it's in, in Manchester, the National Football Museum, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I went yeah. Oh, two or three years ago and it was definitely there then because I remember listening to it. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. I might have to take the kids then. Yeah, yeah. pay a visit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. To be fair, yeah. it might Amazing. it might it might just be easier to give BBC Somerset a call and see if Pete Simpson's got it lying somewhere. He's probably yeah. got it. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, good times, good times. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, I mean, to talk uh, about another, t- the the was it the second time when you came back? Uh, Gary Johnson brought you back to the club in twenty fourteen. I'm looking at yeah, Ben I'll... now; he's going to correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's yeah, right. Twenty fourteen. The... We just dropped out of the the, the championship at that yeah. point. Um, yeah, the th- third time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did the club obviously the club had just had this incredible season in the championship and the success that had gone before it? Did you feel like you were a club that felt a bit different to your previous stints at the club? Did it feel any different uh, at all? Uh, it felt totally different. And I'm, I'm really, I kind of, inst- I always go on instincts in life and I kind of instinctively knew I maybe made, had made a mistake in the first week or so. It just felt so different. Yeah, completely different to what I had experienced Get, like, Gary, you're fat, like Gary's a sm- brilliant bloke and had loads of success wherever he's gone. But what you find is in his career is it's either gone really, really well, 
or terrible. There's no like middle ground at all. And I know probably with some managers you would say that, but with Gary, it's very much, it, ha- it has been very much like that. Um, and it just felt, yeah, totally different. And and for whatever reason, it just didn't work. And But it just, like I walked in thinking, bloody hell, Yeovil's been in the championship. What an experience. What a, um, yeah, to even get that far was amazing. But it was almost like they, they, had expected to, to stay up and then to bounce straight back. And um, it was just this immense kind of pressure, cocoon of pressure and unneeded. It wasn't needed, I didn't think at all. And it was just, yeah, it, got, I, it just, yeah. But I don't know what it was. It's amazing. Like things go in circles, don't they? And when you're on the up, you're on the up. And unfortunately for whatever reason it just didn't work and I remember our first game I mean I played and I, I, I just literally my daughter was in hospital and I, I maybe not had the best of games but she'd just been born and um, and she wasn't well and she's fine now but it's just like things like that and then then you're running around the pitch after the game we had lost 4-0 in the first game of the season but it's the first game of the season and we're doing laps around the pitch like as punishment and I'm like I'm a I'm a 30-whatever-year-old bloke and I've experienced loads of different stuff in the in the game. And now I'm running around a football pitch because we've lost the game and my daughter's in hospital. It's just ridiculous. So that's kind of Gary kind of being so good at what he does, but also on the reverse of if he gets it wrong, it goes wrong. And I just, I mean, I'm maybe being a bit harsh, but it, it that's an example of it not working too well, if that makes sense. It does, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's one of those unfortunate, unfortunate things uh, that, uh, yeah, didn't really, didn't really go to plan. So, um, I'm not sure quite to move on from that really because it, it was, it was, <laughs> Sorry, it, it was just a dark right. time. It quickly, was, quickly, let's quickly, move on. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> from, from the bottom end of league, from the wrong end of League One, shall we say, to the Championship with Leicester City, and you played a fair chunk of games, uh, pretty. Quick. Oh yeah, no. So you've missed. Yeah, you've missed out quite a bit. So this was the third time. So I'd been to Leicester. I'd oh, been okay. to Shrewsbury. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And then and then came back. So this was quite a few years later. Yes. Um, Apologies. Sorry. My yeah, yeah. Well, you've you, you've yeah. been with the club that long, mate. I don't mean... I know. No, no. The reason... <laughs> I think the reason why I got moved to Leicester was because of my loan spell. Leicester in League One at the time got promoted. They had six goalies. In that year, they were looking for a solid, reliable goalie. I had done well, like I said, at Yeovil. And if I was a scout, I would have signed myself any... I mean, I'm not big of myself up, but in terms of the stats, mm. we'd look at the stats and go, I would sign him. So they knew me from Yeovil. They knew me from Bristol City, having not played much. But then I went back to Yeovil. So then Leicester signed me on my loan spell, really. The goal helped, I guess, because the first thing I walked in and spoke to Nigel Pearson, and he said, oh, I saw your goal. Good goal, that. Because <laughs> he was a centre-half and like scoring headers and stuff. Um, and yeah, so that kind of helped massively in terms of my move to Leicester. Um, and that was a great experience. But this is a Yeovil podcast, isn't it? Not a... Not a... I know. I've got, <laughs> I'm going to get my timelines back in. So we've, we've been relegated out of League One now. It's now 15-16 and we're now in League Two. And... You kind of you, you do make a few more appearances. You do start that season. Do you feel like that might have been a, I know the double whammy of relegation, but was there any feeling that we could sort of start again, or was 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 the rotting setting in? Uh, no, 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 definitely not. I felt I then I was player coach, and I then 
I, I like I, my kids were watching the video clips back the other day because my boy started to start started playing oh he's 10 years old now and started watching YouTube videos of goalies and stuff and mine came up in terms of my highlight reel I loved it I was I was back playing and really enjoying it and Darren Darren was manager wasn't he and I don't know Darren similar to Gary very intense maybe read the room wrong maybe um I'm not saying it's because of him or any any. There's a multitude of reasons, mm. um, but yeah, no, no, it felt okay. It felt it felt alright. It felt um, better than it had done. Um, it was you. And, it, it was you and Arta, wasn't it? You and Arta yeah. Jack at the time. Yeah, what was, yeah, yeah. What, was, what was he like to work with? Because it was just Massive. the two of you, wasn't it? Because brilliant. you were coached yeah. as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I loved him, and. F- and again, for whatever reason, there was, it didn't, it wasn't the same as, yeah, back with me and Steve in terms of the positivity around the club. It just, yeah, felt totally different. And Arthur was a smashing bloke, brilliant to work with, awesome guy, very similar in terms of me and Steve. I'd probably put Arthur as me and me as Steve, because as you grow older, you not, you just see things differently. Um, but he was he was absolutely brilliant, and I don't know, just um, not as together the squad as as it has done in previous. And I don't know if you'll ever get that again because mm. you obviously now you're over the back in the conference. I just don't know. It just gelled, something clicked, and everyone was on the same path and page, and and it just maybe football's changed as well in terms of contracts and and, and media and stuff. Maybe I'm being nostalgic, but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I uh, hopefully I will do, and because you need to get out of this league, but it just felt right way back then, if that makes sense. And you're on a momentum and and pathway. It just, and unfortunately, that pathway then was the wrong pathway in terms of of uh, Yeovil the third time round. Yeah, and and you mentioned there how you were coaching at uh, Yeovil. You then went on, I think. Did you? Was it Burton and Derby? You you ended up at, didn't you? And well, that that was yeah. in a coaching role as well, was it a Derby? No, no. No, 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 no. A derby. I was third choice. I right. I needed to because this is the thing. I was more than happy to stay. Um, Paul Sturrock, I think, was the manager. Didn't want me. Was it Paul Sturrock? No, no, yeah. no. Pa- yeah, Paul Sturrock no. came in um, uh, oh, before I, Darren, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's right. So, so there we are. There we are. Paul Sturrock for me. Things were back to how they were when um, Gary started and when. Um, like Colin Addison slash Dave Webb. So it felt it felt new again and fresh. And he was brilliant. I loved him. I thought he was awesome. He had his quirks. He had his um, ways of doing things. But it felt like that was the right appointment for me. 100%. I thought it was perfect. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. And I look back and I kind of know, and I don't really want to say because it's, it's unfair on other people, but I just think if he had been given more time, it would have worked. Um, and it would have, yeah, Yeovil wouldn't have got relegated. I, I, I could say, I firmly believe that. Um, and then, yeah, so then he got the sack, didn't he? Darren took over, then I left, and then Yeovil got relegated the year after. Is that right? Um, I think we're a couple of years. We stayed up until 18, 19, didn't we? And then went down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. But I yeah. just felt full start. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was different. Not what some people thought um, should be kind of 
the way Yeovil should play or whatever, but he had had success in the past, and I really did. I think given more time, he would have he would have done all right for Yeovil. I'm just I'm just reading actually about your your departure because it came with your first ever tweet. Your first ever tweet, as you put it, on the 10th of May, really? 2016. You had a little, you've clearly got the notepad out on the phone and you've written a little thing out. It says, it's with regret today that I've been informed by Yeovletown Football Club. They no longer require my services next season. I have thoroughly enjoyed my new role as player slash coach. And I believe I have aided in the development of the goalkeepers at the club whilst enjoying the game time I've had this season. And this is the, and this next bit is the bit I really, really like, actually. As a young boy growing up in Yeovil, I always dreamed of playing for the club. It's been an absolute honour to have had three different spells playing for this wonderful football club. I would like to wish firstly the fans, the chairman, the board, Darren Way and his staff, and of course all the players, every success in the future. Always a fan, wheelie. And I just, I, I look at that, and I look at that and genuinely it feels the same type of conversation we were having with Kevin Gall, that once you yeah. get... Once you get an affiliation to this football club, whether you're local, whether you're coming in, this football club does weird things to people, doesn't it? It is such a special place to play your football and become a legend. And yeah, my question really is off the back of off a statement like that. Do you have any, there can't be any regrets. There can't be any unhappiness. It's, it's, it's all a positive experience, your time with the Oval, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, definitely. The, the, last two years were a bit of a shame in terms of the way it worked out but I think it, it, yeah it, the way I, I didn't want to leave um, the way it panned out was that yeah I I, I had to leave really um, and I didn't want it I, I loved yeah obviously loved the club and still do um, uh, no 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 regrets at all because that's life that's the way it, that it works out but um yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I look back and think, wow, what, a, what an absolute privilege and to be able to do that. So not many people. And it's a little bit of a bugbear of mine at the moment that there's no kids from Yeovil having come up through. And I'm probably, me and Craig Alcott are really the last two. And that's, that's, that's wrong, I think. I don't know why the academy system taking all the best players from the area, I don't know. But how can that be that only two, two people from the area, I mean, there might be more, you might say... Let's say I'm wrong, but have come up and played for their local team. I just think that's 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 a real shame. Um, yeah, we've 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 not produced anyone to the same level or the same consistency. We've had the odd one or two that have made fleeting mini appearances or, or gone on very quickly, but not not yeah. to the level of playing hundreds of games in the same way yourself and, and Craig did. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of moves me on to a question I kind of wanted to ask towards the end, but actually this fits in quite nicely now. It's something that's been brought up a few times actually about how we best appreciate our legends and appreciate the, the players that have gone before 02, 03, 05, of course, uh, winning that division 07 and, and then 13. If, if there was some way that the club could use people like yourself Kevin Gall, that era, that squad, that group, whether it be Gav or, or Kev Gall or whoever it may be, Skivo, of course, uh, coming back to now he's gone to Charlton, whether it be an ambassadorial role, or like we've seen with Nick Crittenden this last uh, few weeks at time of recording, where he's actually been on the pitch, putting the cones out, being a bit of a mini assistant manager. Would that be something that you'd be open to? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 uh, a great question, great question. Because I spoke to Chris the other day. Me and him still get on really well and, and speak speak a lot. And 
Um, for example, so Chelsea, not many clubs do this, but Chelsea do it. So they have a box for players, ex-players, that you can get a ticket whenever you want. Whenever you want, you go phone up this person and go, look, can I have a ticket, two tickets for this game? And then you can buy two other tickets as well. And for, for any, any Premier League game, any game that Chelsea play, no matter how many games you played for Chelsea, you get to go to the box. And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing. Like Leicester don't do it, but other clubs don't do it, Chelsea do it. And I just thought, that's, a, that's an amazing experience. So, for, for example, this season, I, I've done the radio probably four times, I think, but I've also gone to games and paid myself. And, um, like, out of my own... I mean, I'm not saying that I should get a ticket or whatever. I'm just saying that I don't mind because they are... It's, Yeovil is my club and I support them and my kind of voice boy supports them and I don't mind paying for, to watch games at all. Um but you know what I mean? There could be something. Yes. Yes, could I know exactly what you mean. And it's something that we've mentioned time and time again. Some some of the ideas we've come up with of how we want to, how we hope that whatever the future lies with this football club uh, has in terms of its uh, appreciation of those gone by. And yeah, exactly that. And and there should be, we're, we're all in agreement here on the Glover's Cast that to use people in ambassadorial roles, whether it's in the community Go and do a, a thing for a school and, you know, wear the club badge and, and explain your history and things like that. So in return, then you do. You get the red carpet treatment or the green and white carpet treatment, I suppose, yeah. when it comes to Hewish <laughs> Park. And so we, we completely agree. And to hear uh, with the way Kev Gore spoke about being able to use about, you know, the, the great players. And, and we go back even to even to Dave's era in black and white, um, you know, using those players as well so uh, it's great. this is Chris's era as well so don't uh, yeah get too cheeky <laughs> um yeah I mean the times do move on but then they don't in football because I, yeah, I watched the game the other day and thought about and then Chris was there and I was doing the radio and thought you know what it doesn't football doesn't change mm. that much um yeah and your knowledge and experience I'm I'm coaching at the moment and I love it I'm director of football coaching at um Sherborne schools just down the road where we used to train actually with Gary it's quite funny um but yeah it's just yeah absolutely you could use utilize us somehow and and I've, we've we've me and crits have talked about this and the club needs something is is we're getting almost what under two thousand fans and mm. just there's the the takeover that might be happening might not be happening and the yeah it, it, i mean i feel for darren so at the moment in terms of finances and squads and stuff but um how how are Yeovil going to get out of this league? It's a, such a competitive league, and you, you, are you going to have to flip everything over and look at, for example, a Dave Webb scenario? Um, get loads of young, hungry players in. Has football changed, and you can't do that? Do you get non-league players in from a lower league and give them trust and train them up? Or I don't know. You're going to have because the finances and something you're not going to probably be able to compete with Wrexham's and stuff. Um, how how are you going to get out of this league? Because it's such a shame that gone from conference to championship to then back down. It's just just yeah, for for a fan, it must be so yeah, so upsetting and not demoralising, but just like oh, how did that happen? Do you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean because you sound every bit of the fan that we are. Don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, but but also I look at the. The women's side, for example, the women's mm. side were playing in the Premier League, like the, the Premier League of women's football. And then to have that, no one go, God, we, we've got something special here. Let's, let's keep this and 
the men's team playing in the championship, for example, and then to for the women's side to just go, they go to Bridgewater and just fall or whatever, and then the men's side then be playing back down exactly where it all started. Something, how how can that be allowed to happen? It has happened, but do you know what I mean? It's just crazy, crazy. No, we agree entirely. Let's 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 pick this up then as we move towards the end. Let's let's cheer ourselves up a little bit. You you you, you mentioned okay, on the club comments. No, it's fine. It's fine. We just we relive the good moments and the bad moments, but we want to always end on the good ones. Um, right, I, yes, I, I want to ask you some of the the key play, the key people that you've been involved with in your career. But first of all, I want to pick up on that on that thing you've done for the radio because I've I've been very fortunate. I've mentioned it once or twice on the podcast. I've been very fortunate to do a little bit of co-commentary for the BBC at some Northern away games, and okay. um. How much you enjoy that? Because it is, uh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I used to do it at Bristol City. So when I was injured um, at Bristol City, I used to do the commentary a lot and um, loved it. Absolutely loved it because you get to watch the game, have your opinion about the game and then people to listen. And it's like, and, and it's just great. It's really, I really enjoy it. Um, Sheridan's fantastic at, mm. for the first year of doing it as well. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just, yeah, really, really good. And, um, yeah, I've had some good feedback, and yeah, it's it's good to good to do. Chris, can I let you in on a, a not so much of a secret to anyone listening to this podcast? We give Ben Stick about uh, what number he is rated in the co-commentary uh, list. Really, and uh, and, and, and it comes below <laughs> you, Chris and Lawson Diaz, and we always say that Ben's number number four or five. So uh, yeah, oh, but no. he, he, don't don't tell him I told you this, but he is very good actually. But um, but yeah, oh, cool. but he's no okay. Chris Wheel. He's no Chris Wheel. But no, but the thing is, I think any football fan could do it. If you ask any football fan to do that, I'm sure they could do it because it's the perfect role. You don't have to um, say all the time about who, who passes to who. You just give your opinion. And I yeah. think any football, people love talking about football, don't they? Um, and then to be asked to, to voice your opinion on air, I think yeah, most, a lot of football fans should be able to. Yeah, I think the two of you do yourself an injustice because I'm a, I'm a listener and I know for a fact listening to Ben do it and listening to you guys do it as well. The insight that you've obviously got, you know, as a, as a former player and the sort of the tactical analysis and what's okay. going on in the game, that's a that's yeah. a real skill. And we I always, I joked the other week when someone said to me, because Ian and Ben who do the podcast have done it and people said I should do it, I would literally be Lawson Diaz. He's got all the tactical analysis as a former player and all of that, but he, he swears at referees as well and he did actually swear live on air one and I think that would be me I've got no tactical analysis I would just be swearing at the referee all the way through the game so I don't think everyone can do it I think people like you and Ben are a special breed I'd say okay I like it Ben we're special Let's let's finish off by talking about some of the people that you've been uh, uh, coached by and, and played alongside of oh. the list. The list here is is sensational. Sven Goran Eriksson, Steve McLaren, Amy yeah. Boothroyd, Gary Johnson, yeah. who spent the time trialing with Alan Pardew. Yeah. Uh, at any point throughout your career, how how has it been to work with those guys, and who's had the most impact on you? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, that's really good because. I always take out good stuff and bad stuff from everyone. I think that's probably why I came back the third time and under Gary. I was like, oh, Gary, you... Because um, I've seen... I saw Sven. I saw Nigel Pearson. Um, I obviously worked under them. I saw A.D. Boothroyd. Really top managers at a top level that had learned and developed and grow. And I'm not disrespecting Gary at all when I'm probably you'd agree to it that Gary didn't change the way he coached he didn't change one minute from the 
from the first minute to the 20 years later when it, or however many years when I went back, he hadn't changed. He hadn't evolved. And um, I think why Sven probably then managed England was because he was always developing and always learning and growing. And I'm not saying Gary wasn't, but it's just uh, Sven was, yeah, really inspirational to me because you didn't have to be a shelter as a manager. You didn't have to be a effer and blinder, a teacup thrower, a, a kick. The... <laughs> so this is one for Gary. He, we had a bag of um, a bag of wet tops, like rain jackets, in a in a cardboard box one game, and Gary's going mental. Uh, I saw it at half time and he's kicked this cardboard box and got his foot stuck in the box <laughs> and he, he's still going mental and his foot's like got stuck in the box and he's trying to pull his foot out and all the boys are like I don't know whether to laugh or cry or... <laughs> but and but that's what I mean so Sven didn't wasn't like that Garrett um Nigel Pearson wasn't like that you don't have you don't I learned that you don't have to be like that as a football manager the best for me Nigel Pearson was the best because he had it, but he only used it when he really, really needed to use it. So you had that almost fear, but total respect of him that he was going to unleash something one or two times a season, but never all the time. Um, but yeah, for me, Nigel Pearson was was the best manager. What about what about players then? Some special, special players. We look back on Macindo, Supergav. We look on so many of the Oval players, but you went on to play alongside some pretty special players at some high levels as well. What about the players that really stood out for you along your way? Yeah, I always say David Noble was the most talented player I've, I've ever ever played with, ever played like in training with, ever played on a match with. David, he played, came back, he played for you, mm. didn't he? Yeah, very, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. me, David Noble was had everything. He was like a kind of, yeah, like Maradona-esque in terms of the way he just manipulated the ball and had so much time on the ball and... Um, and I think Paul Merson wrote in his book, I think, about David Noble, that he was the most talented English player he's ever seen. And But for whatever reason, he hasn't gone on. He didn't go on and have a um, top, top career, but he still had a very good career. And I know Exeter speak extremely highly of him at Exeter. Um, yeah, so he would probably be the most talented player. Um, the best guy. I played with Yakuba at Leicester. And I also played with um, Nobby Solano at Leicester oh, as well. Wow. And, yeah, Nobby Solano was the most chilled out guy I've ever met on the football pitch. And you know when it's going off in the penalty area, and it was, you never, you don't know what's going to happen as defenders, and you're trying to clear the lines and 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 get it clear. And he would just just gently header it back to me in like the total melee of a penalty box, and just like so casual and relaxed. And um, yeah, he's a, he's massive in Peru, isn't he? He's like like a cult national hero kind of thing um so probably him those two were the best um probably Yakubo and um Nobby Solano to play with you um you said you're now director of football at, Sh at Sherbourne School is that right yeah yes. and and you're you're enjoying that role would would coaching within a professional football team environment ever interest you and I guess would coming back to Yeovil in the coaching role ever interest you uh, that's a very good question um <laughs> Yes, I think it would. Um, I do miss the, the environment of a professional um, professional sport in terms of yeah the week-in, week-out stuff, the day-in, day-out, the, the three points on a Saturday. Yes, I'm, I'm developing myself as a coach. I love my role. I love the boys that I work with. I think they're brilliant. Um, and I'm not saying it's a pathway for me to then go on into professional football because 
although I'm not there at the moment in terms of um, my family life, but potentially, yeah, I would um, consider it. But it needs to be right. And um, football is all consuming. And mm. when you're in it, it's even more consuming as a pro, as, as yeah. So um, I, I will do, I'm sure I will. It's just, I'm not quite there yet. Just imagine a f- packed out Hewish Park singing Chris Wheels Green and White Army. That would be something. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I like. We'll be I there. We'll be to... there. I'll, I'll start the chart. <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> um, I would say, if I was to manage, I would say I'm a, a Gareth Southgate, Sven, slash Nigel Pearson. All those I would take, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you mean you wear a, a waistcoat bit. well? Is that what you're saying? You no, God, well. no. I wouldn't. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, I do feel sometimes that Yeovil, yeah, need, not need me. I'm just saying need um, some something different at the moment. Um, but that's why Chris is great, for example, mm-hmm. to get him in and around. I know he's got a full-time job and it's, 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 it's difficult. But to have, like you've said, about having someone like that just in. Like, for me, Morris O'Donnell and Stuart Housley were yeah. two total unsung heroes behind the scenes that would do everything and anything. They would, Stuart would go and pick someone, a trialist up from the train station, bring him to the training ground, take him back to the train station, stuff like that. You don't get paid for, but you just, you do because for the love of the club and people like that, it's just, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, again, things like that got stripped out of the club and then you lose that heart and soul of the club and, and so when you said about going, coming back the third time, like things like that, Stuart was kind of not being treated as well as I would have liked to personally see him be treated as like a club legend, a hero in my eyes, a coach also not to be treated well and then to be pushed out. It's just stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. But anyway, let's finish on a positive. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, Chris Wheels, Green and White Army. That's where we'll end on. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Listen, the the, the only way we can end this really is to say a huge thank you. We're fans. And what I love about this conversation is that clearly you're a fan as well. And to hear that you still pay your hard earned to go in and actually watch the game and stuff, it just gives us all a little pickup that there are. There's, there's, you know, Yeovil Town's okay. We're doing all right still. And we've got good people around that can that can do good. So listen, you've given up so much of your time on a Tuesday evening. You could have been doing so many better things than speaking to, to us. We're so, so grateful, not just for the past hour and a half, but for the past 20 plus years as well, mate. Thank oh, you so much, mate. No, that's that's very kind. You, you, that's lovely. Um, no, anytime, anytime. Honestly, I really, really enjoy it. And I do, it's, yeah, I just, the club's, very close to my heart and every time you go there with the green and white and the pitch is lovely and green and the stadium's green it's just something special about about it um that's how yeah. you do it that's how you end that's how you do it chris absolutely nailed on <laughs> dave coach thank you so much for joining us on this edition oh, of the club Pass. but thank, thank you, you so much chris for your time Brilliant. this evening i really appreciate it and with a quick turn skipper alex dock slams it in there's lindergaard Making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes.
Mansfield. Good turn away from Troy.